This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Push for peace. The U.S. tries to contain the Israel-Hamas war. We need to do more to protect Palestinian civilians. As Israel continues to retaliate against Hamas for its terror attack, is the U.S. making headway privately? Senators Lindsey Graham and Richard Blumenthal join me in an exclusive bipartisan interview. Then, Israel's ambassador to the United Nations, Gilad Erdan, is here. And progressive rift. Concern about civilian casualties in Gaza exposes a political split. Where does a key progressive stand? Vermont Senator Bernie Sanders is here exclusively next. Plus, on the ballot. In Florida, Donald Trump's critics face fierce backlash. As a new poll shows Trump leading President Biden in key swing states. How worried should the White House be? My panel is coming up. Hello, I'm Dana Bash in Washington, where the state of our union is reeling from a month of war and global fury. This morning, U.S. Secretary of State Antony Blinken is trying to thread the needle with close U.S. ally Israel as outrage grows worldwide over civilian casualties in Gaza. Secretary Blinken just met with Palestinian President Mahmoud Abbas in the West Bank. And earlier in tense meetings with Arab leaders who want a ceasefire, he defended Israel's right to retaliate against Hamas for murdering almost 1,400 civilians last month. But Blinken has also urged Israeli leaders to take a humanitarian pause, to let critical aid into Gaza and to press for the release of Israeli hostages there. CNN's Jeremy Diamond is live in Starod, Israel, where you just heard sirens, Jeremy. What's going on at this moment? Yeah, that's right, Dana. We just got sirens here at our location in Sterot. And as you can see, our cameraman Lorenz is showing uh, down here some smoke. And that appears to be impact from some rockets here uh, in Sterot. Uh, this is the second time in just a couple of days that those rockets have made it through the Iron Dome system here. Uh, again, the, the system does take out the majority of rockets, but you and I, Dana, were talking on Friday uh, when we were uh, at another location in Sterot, and a rocket made impact about 100 meters away from our position and where several other journalists were based. So this is uh, still very much uh, an active and very dynamic situation, and we are still seeing these rockets starting to come in. But I also want to talk about uh, the Secretary of State, who has been visiting here. Uh, he just had a meeting today with uh, the President of the Palestinian Authority, Mahmoud Abbas, uh, in Ramallah. This is his first visit to the, uh, the Secretary of State's first visit to the West Bank since this war began. And what we have watched as the Secretary of State has been in Tel Aviv, in Amman, Jordan as well, and today in Ramallah, is him playing a very fine balancing act between uh, reiterating, reaffirming U.S. support for Israel and its right to defend itself and go after Hamas, but also trying to urge, uh, the, urge the humanitarian side of things, urging Israel to minimize civilian casualties and working to try and get 
more humanitarian relief uh, into Gaza. Uh, that was also part of what I saw on the ground yesterday, Dana, when I was in Gaza with Israeli forces as part of the first group of foreign journalists allowed into Gaza with Israeli forces. And the point that they were trying to emphasize was their efforts to try and establish a humanitarian corridor for Palestinian civilians to flee from the north and to go to the south. Uh, of course, we know that in recent days, Israel has come under heavy, heavy criticism and scrutiny from international law experts for its strikes on very densely populated neighborhoods, residential areas where Israel says Hamas is maintaining tunnels underground, and also some strikes on, uh, on near, very near to hospitals and on ambulances. So a very dynamic situation still, Dana. Israel coming under heavy scrutiny and the U.S. trying to play a fine balancing act between its support for Israel and its concern about civilian lives in Gaza. Jeremy, thank you so much for your excellent reporting, as always. And across the U.S. this weekend, large crowds of pro-Palestinian protesters took to city streets to call for a ceasefire. And on Capitol Hill Friday, dozens of activists were arrested after entering the offices of several senators. One of those senators is here with me now, independent Bernie Sanders of Vermont. Senator, thank you so much for joining me this morning. Four weeks ago, more than 1,400 Israelis mostly civilians, were slaughtered in their homes and at a festival. You've been critical of Israel's response recently. How do you think Israel should be responding? Well, this is what you got. It's, I think, clear to most people. What Hamas did, and Hamas is an awful terrorist organization, is they slaughtered 1,400 people in cold blood. Israel has a right to defend itself. But what Israel does not, in my view, have a right to do is to kill thousands and thousands of innocent men, women, and children who had nothing to do with that attack. So the immediate concern, Donna, to my mind, is we have got to stop the bombing now. You had 600, over 600,000 people pushed out of their homes. Where are they going? They're staying in United Nations uh, facilities, overcrowded. There's not enough water. There's not enough food. There's not enough medicine. Not enough fuel. You got a humanitarian disaster. It has to be dealt so, with right now. So, Senator, but the the issue. Is, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, please. Go ahead, Donna. Okay. So, the, the, the what, issue, you're, what well, you're saying uh, about what you're saying about uh, the lack of food and water and so forth. Uh, I think that most people in, in the West, certainly the U.S., believes that that is because Hamas is hoarding it. And the other question is, how does no, Israel dismantle? How does Israel destroy Donna, Hamas? It's not just that, it's without... not just that Hamas is hoarding it. They yeah. are. It's more than that. That's what Israeli's okay. policy has been. Okay. So, so it's let's, a combination let's, of factors. Let's get, to the other, let's get to the other point that you made, which is really the key one, which is innocent civilians dying, and they are. How should his, Israel uh, destroy Hamas post-attack on these innocent civilians in Israel without uh, hurting, killing innocent men, women, and children when Hamas is hiding behind them and putting them in danger? How does that work? Well, that is, that is exactly the right question to be asked the military experts, of which I am not one. But clearly, yeah, they have Israel has a right to defend itself. Hamas has sworn. That's what its goal is, is to destroy Israel. They got to deal with that. But there got to be a better way than killing thousands of men, women, and children. So once again, the immediate concern is you got to have a pause in the bombing. you got to take care of the immediate disaster. Israel's got to change its charging. Let me just say this. The United States of America provides $3.8 billion every year to Israel. 
We have a right. Israel can do what they want. They're an independent country. But we have a right to say, sorry, you need a new military strategy. Go after Hamas. But that means, do, but do not kill uh, innocent men, women, and children. You, you mentioned money. Uh, there is going to be a measure before you relatively soon uh, for the House passed uh, 14, more than $14 billion. And there is going to be at least some version of that in the Senate. Will you support that? Or will you put conditions on well, it? Well, we'll see what the bill see what the bill looks like. But I think it's terribly important that as we debate that to say to Israel, you want this money, you got to change your military strategy. The other point is we have to give hope to the Palestinian people. They are living, they were living before October 7th in a disastrous situation in Gaza, 75% youth unemployment, massive poverty. And right now in Israel, you're having the Netanyahu government, an extreme right-wing government with racists aboard, trying to make it impossible for two two-state solution in the West Bank. They're killing settlers there. So what we need is the world to come together to give hope to the Palestinians. We need a two-state solution. Uh, and we need to have many of the very wealthy uh, countries in the region, the United Arab Republic, mm -hmm. uh, Saudi Arabia, Qatar. They are extraordinarily wealthy. Yes, work with are. the United States, work with the community in order to provide some hope and decency and freedom yeah. to the Palestinian people, okay. which Hamas... We'll never do. I, I just, you're right about that. They have a lot of money and they, uh, to this point, have not been uh, really willing to, to use that money in that region to help their fellow Arabs. I, I want to just clarify one thing, Senator, if I might. Uh, you support a humanitarian pause in Gaza. Uh, some of your fellow progressives say that there should be a full-on ceasefire, which would require an agreement on both sides to halt the fighting. Do you support a ceasefire? And if not, why not? Well, I don't know how you can have a ceasefire, permanent ceasefire with an organization like Hamas, which is dedicated to turmoil and chaos and destroying the state of Israel. And I think what the Arab countries in the region understand that Hamas has got to go. So what we need right now, the immediate task right now is to end the bombing, to end the horrific humanitarian disaster, to build, go forward with the entire world for a two-tier, two-state uh, solution to the crisis to give the Palestinian people uh, hope. Senator, Democratic Congresswoman Rashida Tlaib released a video on Friday. I want you to watch part of it. Mr. President, the American people are not with you on this one. We will remember in 2024. That last screen said Joe Biden supported the genocide of the Palestinian people. I know you know the definition of genocide. It is defined as a crime committed with intent to destroy a national, ethnic, racial, or religious group. Do you think that's what Israel is doing here? What's going on right now is a horror show. We don't have to quibble about words. Thousands of men, women, and children are being killed. It has got to end right now. And one of the things that concerns me, Donna, is there has not been enough talk about what right-wing Republicans are doing right now. They don't want any aid to go to the Palestinians. Somebody should be talking about that. Somebody should be talking about how Trump wants to expel Palestinians from this country. So it's, you know, you can disagree with Joe Biden, but on his worst day, he'll be 100 times better so, than where Trump and the right-wing Republicans So you think that Rashida Tlaib should save her ire for, for Trump and the right-wing well, and not Rashida her Tlaib, fellow Democrat? 
Rashida is a friend of mine. Her family comes from Palestine. I think she has been shaken, as all of us are, about what goes on is going on right there, right now. Yeah, and we have to address that humanitarian crisis. But if anyone thinks that Trump is going to be better than Biden on this issue or any other issue for that matter, I think they are sorely mistaken. Uh, and I, I understand that. I, I also understand, and I know you know that words matter. And I want to ask about. What she I, said. I don't, look, hey, look well, word, word, no, words matter. But what matters more, Dana, is you have a horrible humanitarian disaster that has to be dealt with right now. You call it whatever you want to call it. It has to be dealt with. Women and children cannot be bombed with 2,000 pound bombs. And we need the entire world. So when world she says to, from the to river to that. the sea, when she says from the river right. to the sea, which the ADL says is anti Semitic, she says it's aspirational, but the ADL says it is anti Semitic. Do you want her to stop using terms like that? Well, and others, and others. Like, you know, it's not what I want and anything else. This is what you got. President Obama just said the other day, I think, quite correctly, and we all got to deal with it. This is an enormously complex issue. And slogans like the river to the sea, if, if that means the destruction of Israel, that's not going to work. People who are saying, Israel, right or wrong, we're for you all the way, that's not going to work. This is a horrendously complex issue. You've got a right-wing government in Israel, which is racist. And the people, by the way, the good news is last poll I saw only 18% of the people of Israel want Netanyahu to stay in office. I hope they get rid of him. I hope they put in a government which understands the severity of the crisis and can help us move to the two-tier state. Senator, And on the other hand, in terms of Hamas, you got a terrorist organization that cannot be trusted for a minute. This is, as President Obama said, a very complex issue. Senator, real quick, uh, and you're you're really alluding to this in your in your answers and our discussion here. You really are in a unique position, maybe even a difficult one, because you're a leading progressive voice in American politics, and you're also Jewish, and you have family who died in the Holocaust. How difficult is this for you? This is not. It's nothing to do with me, Donna. What this is is, as a nation, we are living now, in my view, through a more difficult moment than we have lived in my lifetime. You know, people are worried about, they had the pandemic, we're worried about climate change, worried about the attacks on democracy. Our healthcare system uh, is, is collapsing. Uh, we have artificial information, which is gonna, you know, make radical changes to the economy. You got a crime all over this country. People are worried and they're concerned. All that I am begging people is to understand slogans are not gonna do it. Social media is not gonna do it. We need a serious discussion of how the hell we get out of this difficult situation maintain democracy, bring peace to the world. Uh, and it ain't easy, uh, but slogans are not gonna do it on any side. Senator, thank you so much for your time this morning. I really appreciate it. Thank you, Donna. One Republican says there should be no limit to what Israel can do to Hamas. A bipartisan interview with Senators Lindsey Graham and Richard Blumenthal is next, plus a new poll this morning has a major warning sign for President Biden's re-election. That's coming up. This podcast is supported by Sleep Number. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number smart bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs, so you can choose what's right for each of you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores? Sleep Number does that. Only Sleep Number smart beds let you each choose your ideal comfort and support. Your Sleep Number setting. Sleep Number smart beds learn how you sleep and provide personalized insights to help you sleep better. 
All Sleep Number smart beds feature cooling, pressure-relieving comfort layers for soothing sleep throughout the night. Temperature-balancing bedding is designed to move heat and moisture away when you're hot. When you're cool, they hold their energy to help warm you. Sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Welcome back to State of the Union. A dispute between the House and Senate could delay badly needed USAID to both Israel and Ukraine after House Republicans passed a bill this week that is a non-starter in the U.S. Senate. Here with me now to talk about the latest in Israel is Republican Senator Lindsey Graham and Democratic Senator Richard Blumenthal. They have traveled extensively internationally together, including to Israel after the October 7th attacks. Thank you both for being here. Senator Graham, I'll start with you. The Biden administration is warning Israel that failing to limit civilian casualties and address the humanitarian crisis in Gaza risks eroding global support, including in the U.S., You've said there should be no limit to what Israel can do to take out Hamas. But is the administration right that Israel needs to do more to protect civilians in Gaza? Well, I think Israel is committed to following the law of armed conflict. One thing I want to say for sure is Israel's not engaged in genocide. And then another thing we need to deal with is the whitewashing of the status of people in Gaza. Uh, I'm sure there are plenty of people who would love to be free from uh, Hamas, but the most radicalized people on the planet live in the Gaza Strip. They've been taught since birth uh, to kill and hate the Jews. How do you teach math in Gaza? If you had 10 Jews and you kill six, how many would be left? That's been in their school system. So I'm all for providing humanitarian aid in a fashion that doesn't help Hamas. I'm all for Israel having the time and space to destroy Hamas. I'm all for a new governing regime over the Palestinian people when this is over. And I'm all for Israel and Saudi Arabia reconciling. That's sort of where I'm at. But no pause? No humanitarian pause? I don't want to take the pressure off Hamas militarily, but if Israel can find a way to help the humanitarian situation, yes, I'd like to do it. But after World War II, did anybody ask us these questions? You've got to realize the United States dropped two atomic bombs on cities in Japan uh, to end the war. I think this is total war between Israel and Hamas. I want to protect innocent people as much as possible, but I want the world to realize that the radicalized population in Gaza has been going on for over a decade. This will not be easy. When you've been taught from birth to hate the Jews and kill them all and drive them into the sea, and here's what I think, 80% of the people in Gaza support the idea from the river to the sea. Has got, that has to change. Senator Blumenthal, 14 of your Democratic colleagues said there should be a, a pause. What do you think? I agree that there should be a pause to enable more humanitarian relief, food, fuel, water to reach the Palestinians, but also to enable release of the hostages. I've met almost every day by phone or in person 
and we saw them when we were in Israel with the families of hostages. These situations are really heartbreaking, and I think that we should do a humanitarian pause to enable release of the hostages. Also, a movement of civilians from the north part of Gaza, which is really the combat zone, to the southern part through a humanitarian corridor. There are measures through a humanitarian pause that can be taken to reduce civilian casualties. But let's keep in mind Israel's right to defend itself. We went on this trip, a bipartisan group, 10 of us, to express solidarity with Israel. And what we heard and saw was harrowing in the videos that were shown to us. And what a minister of the War Cabinet said, you know, these people tried to run and hide. For our whole history, we've tried to run and hide. Israel was supposed to be a safe place where we didn't need to run and hide anymore. So for Israel, this is a fight, a war about its very existence against a terrorist organization that has a single goal, destroy Israel, annihilate the Jewish people, and, you know, is continuing to advocate it. Just the other day, Ghazid Hamad, a senior Hamas official, said that Israel can expect a second strike, a third strike, a fourth strike, just like October 7th, until it is annihilated. So uh, Israel, I think, yeah. should do a humanitarian pause, but the ultimate goal has to be kept in mind. And you're talking about Hamas. I know you're both very concerned, as are others, about it expanding beyond uh, the Gaza border <clears throat> and expanding yeah. more regionally. You both are uh, introducing a bipartisan sense of the Senate resolution tomorrow about Iran. Senator Graham, what will it say? Well, it basically says if the war expands, if Hezbollah opens up a second front in the north against Israel in a substantial way to overwhelm Iron Dome, uh, then we should hit the Islamic Republic of Iran. There is no Hamas without the Ayatollah support. There is no Hezbollah without the without the Ayatollah's support. The great Satan in the regions, <clears throat> not Israel the, or the United States, is Iran. So Senator Blumenthal and I just got back. Uh, Israel is begging us to deter Iran. They don't want the war to, ride, uh, to widen. If any of our troops are killed in Syria and Iraq by Iranian-backed militias, I think that's an expansion of the war. So the resolution puts Iran on notice that all this military force in the region will be coming after you if you expand this war by activating Hezbollah or killing an American through your proxies in Syria and Iraq. And they need to hear that. They need to believe that. Senator Blumenthal, that's, I mean, I know it's just a sense of the Senate, which means it's not binding, but to uh, have that voice from the U.S. Senate that warn, warns Iran that the U.S. could militarily strike Iran if they expand this war, that's pretty aggressive. It's aggressive, but it's absolutely necessary. And it's not only in Israel's explicit interest, they will support this deterrence. And the key word here is deterrence, the purpose of right. the resolution is to deter Iran by showing we're going to be behind the president as he seeks to stop yeah. the war from widening or escalating. And here's the other point, Dana, which I think is really critical. We visited Saudi Arabia and Egypt. And believe me, they loathe and fear Iran and Hezbollah and Hamas and the other proxies as much as Israel. So they are in favor of deterring 
a wider war. I think there's bipartisan common ground here, and there's consensus in the region that deterrence is critical because Iran here is the toxic, malign influence. It is financially fueling, equipping, supplying all of these proxies that have as their goal to disrupt and destabilize the region when powers like Saudi Arabia want economic prosperity. They want to normalize relations with Israel and achieve stability and peace. And there is a strong view, and I agree with it, that the reason why Hamas struck now and why Iran gave them the green light to strike now is because the talks on normalizing relations between right. Israel and Saudi Arabia were making progress. There is going to be a, uh, some form of a measure to approve more funding for Israel. The House passed something that was just focused on Israel. You both, I'm sure, would agree it's dead on arrival in the Senate, in part because it doesn't include support for Ukraine. Uh, Senator Graham, I'll start with you. The Senate, uh, will it ultimately pass yeah. a bill that includes funding for both? Yeah, I think so. I think you'll have a bill that will have border security. We'll be insane as a country not to fix our broken border. It's just a, you know, we're living on borrowed time in terms of the border being broken and an attack on our own nation. Uh, I am for Ukraine uh, support. We can't pull the plug on Ukraine, let Putin get away with this. There goes Taiwan if you do that. I'm definitely for Israel. So I think you'll see a package of border security, funding for Ukraine, funding for Israel coming out of the Senate, probably as one package. I would support that. Uh, before I let you both go, Senator Blumenthal, I have to ask about some new polling that is a big warning sign for your fellow Democrat in the White House. The New York Times and Siena College, they, it shows that Donald Trump is leading Nevada, in Nevada, Georgia, Arizona, and Michigan, tight races in Pennsylvania and Wisconsin. How worried are you about the president's reelection campaign? Uh, I was concerned before these polls, and I'm concerned now. These presidential races over the last couple of terms have been very tight. No one is going to have a runaway election here. It's going to take a lot of hard work, concentration, resources. And so we have our work cut out for us. But I believe that the president's record, and we've just been talking about an area where his leadership has been critical, where he's forged a bipartisan consensus in favor of a peaceful outcome with a Palestinian state as the goal. Uh, a lot of bipartisan agreement between Senator Graham and myself on the need for a combined package. I think his leadership is going to be really critical as it was in putting together this trip. But let me just make this point, Dana. I think we are at a turning point in the Mideast, a critical point of potential no return if there is a widening of the war. And so we need to get together yeah. on deterring Iran and making sure it understands yeah. that it will face consequences if it unleashes its proxies as it seems possibly to be intent on doing. I think President Biden's leadership is important. You definitely do not have bipartisan agreement on who should be in the White House after 2024, but it is important to have this bipartisan discussion on such a critical yeah issue in such a critical moment. And I appreciate you both coming on. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. And up next, Israel's UN ambassador draws attention by wearing a yellow star of David at the UN. We'll talk to him next.
Welcome back to State of the Union. This week, a shocking symbol on the floor of the United Nations, the yellow star of David. Israel's ambassador there wore that star to call attention to the sharp rise in anti-Semitic incidents worldwide following the Hamas attacks in Israel. Here with me now is Israel's ambassador to the UN, Gilad Erdan. Thank you so much for joining me. I want to get to that uh, moment at the UN this past week soon. But first, I want to ask about President Biden. He was actually asked by reporters just last night if there had been any progress toward a humanitarian pause in the Gaza conflict. He said yes. He gave a thumbs up. Is that true? Are you making progress towards a humanitarian pause in the fighting? As far as I know, we are fully coordinated with the uh, administration. We're closely monitoring the humanitarian situation in Gaza. Obviously, and we always remind it to everyone, we shouldn't believe or take any numbers coming out of Gaza at face value. Everything is being controlled by uh, the terrorists of Hamas. There is no humanitarian crisis in Gaza. In coordination with the U.S. and the U.N., we allowed the number of trucks uh, entering Gaza now with food and medicines to reach almost 100 trucks uh, every day. So we don't see the need for humanitarian pauses right now because it will only enable Hamas to rearm and regroup and prevent us from uh, achieving our goal to destroy Hamas's terrorist capabilities. You, you've said this before, that there is no humanitarian crisis in Gaza. Uh, that's kind of an amazing statement because there were humanitarian problems there before the war. And now, obviously, it has gotten bad. But, but take, take their numbers aside. Okay, so, it has gotten to the crisis yeah, but point. I'm, 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 not, no, I'm, I'm not saying that the life in Gaza is great. And obviously, Hamas is the only one that should be held accountable for any situation in Gaza. But there is a standard due to... Uh, international humanitarian law, what does it mean, a humanitarian crisis? And I'm saying again, there is no humanitarian crisis based on the international humanitarian law right now in Gaza. By the way, only last night, everyone could watch thousands of Gazans uh, uh, near the Shifa hospital with uh, electricity, with their uh, cell phones, watching uh, a movie, how the Hamas terrorists are uh, slaughtering Israeli civilians and, and soldiers. So right. obviously but, you but could even see could be on true. the streets of Gaza. All those things could be true at the same time. And I guess my question is, if Israel wants to maintain and the government wants to maintain credibility, is denying that there is a humanitarian crisis inside Gaza the way to do it? I'm not de denying that uh, the situation in uh, the humanitarian situation in Gaza is very bad. And it's very sad that for 16 years, Hamas exploited uh, all the money that was uh, transferred to Gaza instead of investing it to build hospitals or uh, desalination, water desalination power plants, uh, only to turn Gaza into a, a war machine. It's very sad. But Israel shouldn't be held accountable for this situation. We have a goal now to destroy Hamas's terrorist capabilities, to prevent future atrocities from being happen. And it will happen, not only just, in Israel, but all across wanna, the globe, because other underscore. terrorist organizations will be inspired. But I just want to make sure, Sorry? because there ha I just want to make sure, because 
There have been because we know that Hamas has uh, built its headquarters. They, they hide among the, the civilian population. There was another uh, incident at a refugee camp yesterday. And the uh, Palestinians are saying it is because of an Israeli strike. Is that true? Look, again, I will, I will have to repeat what I said. The fact that Hamas is uh, using the uh, Palestinians, the, the, the but, Gazan, but was the that population strike, in the Israeli, Gaza. As, as, was, that, was that blast the, from an Israeli is, strike? I, I don't know. I don't okay. know the, the details, but it, again, I reiterate, Israel never intentionally target civilians. We do everything that is possible to minimize, to mitigate civilian casualties. Uh, Hamas is the only one that should be held accountable. Otherwise, if we accept the modus operandi of Hamas, Western civilization societies can never uh, win and destroy terrorist organization. It will inspire all terrorist organization across the globe because that's the let's, way now they attack uh, our, uh, our democracies. Let's turn to a moment uh, where you were at the UN. Obviously, you were there in your uh, capacity as Israel's ambassador. We're showing a picture right now wearing uh, a Jewish Star of David and the words never again were on it. This is during a Security Council meeting uh, this past week. The head of Israel's Holocaust Museum, Yad, Vash Yad Vashem, said that doing that dishonors both the victims of the Holocaust and the state of Israel and that the yellow patch symbolizes the helplessness of the Jewish people and being at the mercy of others. I don't believe that that was your intention. What's your response? Well, during uh, times of war, I don't intend to uh, fight or, uh, you know, again, and uh, comment on every, anyone. I just want to emphasize that my goal was to, first of all, shock the Security Council that, uh, you know, today it has been, it's the 30th day, it has been 30 days since the worst atrocities committed against, committed against the Jewish people since the Holocaust. And still, the Security Council of the UN that was established in the wake of the Holocaust to prevent atrocities has not even condemned Hamas for this uh, horrifying attack against the Jewish people. So I wanted to shock them. Yeah. I wanted to remind them of their, of their silence. And I wanted to convey a message that we not like in the past. We are not weak as, as we were during the Holocaust. That's why it was inscribed with the word never again. Mm -hmm. It wasn't aimed to mark the Jews <laughs> like during the Holocaust. We will continue to fight without any peace uh, ceasefires until we eradicate Hamas's terror capabilities. Before I let you go, uh, I know that you saw that uh, we... There was an Israeli official who warned Israelis against traveling abroad, and if they do, please do not display outward signs of Israeli or Jewish identity. There have been an, a, there's an alarming rise uh, in anti-Semitism, not only in the U.S., but around the world. As ambassador to the U.N., what do you do to combat that? I, I think... I, I think that the situation right now is, is shocking. We are on the brink of a catastrophe, even here in the United States. Uh, we see now thousands of uh, people chanting death to Israel, death to the Jews. 
We see uh, Jewish students all across the United States on college campuses. They are being threatened not only by other students, by their professors and presidents of universities cannot even condemn the terror uh, attack. So right now, I think it's already too late to say that we expect them to speak up or, or call out the, uh, anti, the anti-Semites. We expect to take, to see actions. We expect them to expel students, to fire professors who are anti-Semitic. We expect them to uh, call the, uh, the police to investigate the harassments of uh, Jewish students. This is truly unacceptable, the situation right now. And as I said, we're on the brink of a catastrophe. Any, any moment we might see a terror attack against a Jewish community here in the United States. Well, uh, God forbid, as they say, uh, but I appreciate your time. Thank you so much yeah, for it's, coming it's, on. It, Thank you, Dana, for having me. Thank Thank you. you. Ambassador Gilad Erdogan, thank you. And here in the United States on the political front, new polls are flashing bright red warning signs for President Biden and his campaign in key swing states. We're going to look at these new numbers next. The Assignment with me, Audie Cornish. So there have been arrests, suspensions, disciplinary hearings. They're shutting down graduation events. At this moment, the part of the protests that are admirable are young people calling attention to atrocities. Michael Roth is the president of Wesleyan University. I would like to make a space for them to do that, as long as that space doesn't prevent other people from pursuing their education. Listen to The Assignment with me, Audie Cornish, on your favorite podcast app. There is a significant likelihood that Donald Trump will be found guilty by a jury on a felony offense next year. Your anger against the truth is reprehensible. You can yell and boo about it as much as you like, but it doesn't change the truth. Two of Donald Trump's uh, opponents in the Republican race for the presidential nomination getting booed because they spoke out against the president. That's one bit of evidence that we have seen recently about the former president's popularity when it comes to Republicans. There's new evidence this morning about his popularity when it comes to a potential general election matchup with President Biden. A stunning New York Times-Siena poll shows that Donald Trump leading Joe Biden in Nevada, Georgia, Arizona and Michigan and tight races in Pennsylvania and Wisconsin. My panel is here with me now. Uh, Karen Finney, I will start with you. (laughs) Thanks, Dan. You're welcome. I mean, in all candor, truth serum. This has to be like a political five alarm fire in the White House. Well, look, I think we've all always said this is going to be a tough race, period, full stop. I don't think anyone is taking anything for granted. And a couple of things, though, I'll say. One, if you look at the trend, right, in 2011, President Obama was not in good shape. And that has been a trend uh, in several. And remember, we were all thinking Hillary Clinton was going to be president and the economy was going to be the issue in 2022. I only say that to say there's, gonna, there's clearly more going on underneath the surface that this poll doesn't tell us. And that is where elections are won, understanding not just the what, but the why. The second thing I would say, though, is, yes, I hope it is an alarm for uh, the campaign. And I hope it shows, particularly when you look at young voters and voters of color, 
that while they've made important early investments in reaching to the, out to those electorates, we have to keep doing it. We can't take anything for granted. And it's not just about talking about the president's record and what he's done, but also elections are about the future. So reminding people, talking to people about what he wants to do to continue the work that he's been doing on their behalf. Congresswoman Crockett, uh, Karen just talked about a warning sign, well, warning signs across the board, but particularly when it comes to uh, people of color, the New York Times in the right about it says, in a remarkable sign of a gradual racial realignment between the two parties, the more diverse the swing state, the farther Mr. Biden was behind. And he led only in the whitest of six. Yeah, no, it's it's really scary for me. I'm glad that Karen, the expert, is not <laughs> as scared um, because here's the deal. Perception is reality. And so when you look at the data that was provided in this poll, it talks about how people feel. And when people decide whether they're going to the poll or whether they're not going to, to the poll, it's all about how you feel in that moment. And so while the facts may not align with their feelings, their feelings are dictating their reality. Their reality is that they said that they feel better or they felt better when Trump was in office. But we've been trying to push back. We've got some very popular African-American artists that are out here saying things like, oh, I got checks when Trump was in office. I want those checks again, not mm. understanding that that really came from Congress. Mm. So we've got a couple of things, the perception issue. And then we also have an issue as it relates to civics in this country and people not understanding exactly how any of this works. Congresswoman, former Congresswoman Comstock, I mean, I, I think it's fair to say you're not the biggest fan of Donald Trump as the head of your party. Uh, what do these polls tell you? Well, I, I think uh, the polls are, these are, uh, you know, obviously a year ahead, as Karen said. I think Republicans are ignoring the warnings of my friends Asa Hutchison and Chris Christie and ignoring that uh, very well the, the four times indicted Donald Trump could be a convicted Donald Trump by the time we get to next summer. Um, we know right now that there's a deficit for Republicans in terms of money. Um, Joe Biden is raising a lot more money than uh, Trump is, and Trump is spending a lot of his money on his legal bills. So basically, if you're a donor to Donald Trump, you're often really a donor to his defense fund. So what they tell me is when I look at those states, I see states that, um, you know, Donald Trump lost, uh, you know, senators and governors for Republicans in Georgia lost senators and went after Governor Kemp in Pennsylvania lost senators, uh, you know, lost a senator last year and a governor, a very popular governor, Democrat Josh Shapiro, because Mastriano, who is a, a big Trumper, MAGA does not sell in general elections. Yeah. A year out, might, you know, this might be popular, but going in when people are faced with MAGA, it does not sell well when the reality of those ads that the Biden campaign is going to be spending on, MAGA has been losing for seven years. Normal Republicans can win, like Glenn Youngkin, but MAGA has been a big loser for Republicans. When I look at this poll, what I see are a lot of Americans who would say, look, I think Donald Trump is not a good guy. I think he's a crook, but you know what? He was better for my pocketbook. And that's where Democrats really have a problem. Joe Biden's been out going around the country talking about Bidenomics, which is frankly a phrase that I think the Republicans are more likely to deploy as we get closer to November if Americans continue to feel that fuel, food, housing, et cetera, are all getting more expensive and that they just look back on the Trump presidency and go, yeah, he's crazy. Yeah, that was 
unpleasant in 500 different ways, but it was better at the bank. Yeah, I mean, I hear you, and I, and I think that that's absolutely true, but people have to recognize that the world has changed. And that's the part that no one really is factoring in, is that we did not have a pandemic known as the coronavirus that existed when Trump first wore in. So yes, absolutely, um, gas prices were in a better situation. But also people understanding that bad policy takes a little while to go into effect. And honestly, that's what we're seeing. It wasn't better for the American people that the rich folk got the tax breaks. It would have been a lot better if those that are struggling every day got them or the child tax credit that is going away or the fact that people are upset with the president right now as it relates to Israel. But when you look at the package that was passed by MAGA Mike that was pushed out by the Republicans, what did that package do? It defunded American workers saying we're going to take money back from the IRS and it also made sure that Israel got money and there was nothing for the Palestinians. But next year, the argument is not going to be that so much. I mean, next year, if the election is about Donald Trump, then Republicans lose. So I think the right now, everyone's focused on Biden and looking at Biden. Yeah. But next year is going to be a very See, attack Trump election. Sorry, I'm assuming. 10 seconds. <laughs> Just again, when it's a head to head, it's a very different conversation. When it, and when voters are reminded of the trauma of Donald Trump every day, because I don't think they're hearing it and seeing it the way yeah, we they were. are head to head. Not, no, they're not. Not the Democrats are not. We have no primary, so most Democrats no, are not. He's really, not on your. He's not on know, your screen yeah. every day. Right. You aren't okay. getting the that's negative ads. I mean. Like in the head-to-head, -head, when, that's when we're in the general yeah. election. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. Thank you so much for spending your Sunday morning with us. Fareed Zakaria, GPS is next. Quality sleep is essential, and that's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. So you can choose what's right for you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores. Sleep Number does that. Sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Now streaming exclusively on Max, a new CNN flash talk about the album that has Nashville talking, Call Me Country, Beyonce and Nashville's Renaissance. Watch it at max.com slash callmecountry. Max subscription required.